Bienvenidos a la Daily Hustle. Soy Enrique Byron, es el presidente de su mejor cerveza. No abate por No Filter Network. Miguelito San Diego, a.k.a. Bobby Barrels. A.k.a. Bobby Ball. Regardless, dead or alive, job or no job. And we do have confirmation he has a job. We properly salute our boy, Kowalski. <sighs> yes, 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 yes. Woo. When we are juiceful, we are useful. And when we are juiceless, we are fucking useless. That's right, class. It is good to be back. We're firing with the live interactive daily hustle. John Davis from Collierville, Tennessee, already checking in. Olan, good morning to you, John. So, was down in Huntington Beach this past weekend playing in a baseball tournament with the new Let Them Play squad. And... What a weekend it was. Just an incredible experience of winning and learning and fortunately no losing. We always like to use that term. We're winning and we're learning or we're winning or we're learning. The learning needs to happen whether we're winning or losing. Uh, but what a awesome performance by the boys. I can't tell you how proud I was of them and the way they went about their business. So the first tournament of the year, we played at Twin Creeks in the Bay Area. And we were awesome. We played four games in pool play, absolutely boat race the competition. We had, I think it was about 60 runs in the four games. We only gave up seven uh, total in the four. And then we got to a semifinal game. And we faced a team, in my humble opinion, that were much better than. But we also faced a pitcher that was pretty good. And he attacked us. And we ended up losing 6-5 in that semifinal game of the first tournament of the year. And so I gathered all the boys up afterwards. And I said, look, obviously, we should have won this tournament. I look at the other teams there and I they were they were decent. They really were. But there's zero. When I say zero, I mean zero question in my mind that we were the best team here. Now, that said, we're also playing 12U baseball. Welcome to the real fucking world. This is it. All of a sudden, like, so when you're at like 10, you 11, I would say 99 times out of 100, you're going to have the better team is going to win. Well, there's a reason, and I explained this to the boys, why in Major League Baseball you play 162 games. Because on any given day, in this single elimination format, a team that's not as good could beat a team that is obviously much better. And a lot of times it starts with the guy on the mound. It starts with the way the ball bounces, a couple plays here, a couple plays there that aren't made. And so 
we took that experience and at least I even mentioned it then, like right there on the spot. I said, look, our goal for this entire fall season is to continue to improve uh, every single tournament. And there's a process. But I'm also not going to be shy about the fact that we have four big tournaments. They are Huntington Beach, which we just played this past weekend, Las Vegas, and then two more in Huntington Beach, where we will see the competition that we're seeking. And that would be some of the best teams in the West Coast, some of the best teams in the country, whatever. But through all that, don't don't ever dismiss something like this. But if we use this as a learning experience to know at any given moment, at any given time, we could be beat by a team that's not as good as us, then we'll be able to take the right mentality into Huntington Beach for the next year. And from start to finish, the boys just freaking had that effort of consistency. And it was pretty impressive to watch. So ended up going five and oh. There was we played in a two-one game uh in the semifinals, which was I mean, first of all, the other thing, the quarterfinal matchup was tight. And so we finally blew it open. And then a two-one game in the semifinals, which was just ridiculous. Uh, Jesse Maddox, one of our kids, went out there. He ended up winning the most valuable pitcher and most valuable hitter of the tournament. He's a beast. He is an absolute freaking beast. He was on Team USA with uh, Colton and the group that went down to Mexico, and he didn't play much. But I saw him, and like many other kids that spent a lot of time on the bench, I'm like, dude, they got to get this guy in the game now. He was raw, super raw, and still is. But I'm going out on a limb and say he might be the best 12 year of the country. He's that good. I mean, 75 from the left side. He single-handedly gave up one hit in that game. And ironically, it was a pitch that he shook off and wanted to throw a breaking ball. He threw it, and the guy hit a double down the line. It was even like a check swing double. But anyhow. And then also in that game, this is like one of those little league games, right? He hit a two-run homer. So he was literally single-handedly. And two-run homer, this was the first time in Huntington Beach that I've seen a 12-you go deep. I've seen 13-you go, go deep all day. And I don't know what the fences are at. Let's I'll call it about 300. And, and that's it. Dude, he cleared the first fence and then hit it over the second fence onto the field. Uh, he could easily play 13 year right now and, and, and be one of the top dudes there. But he was absolutely dominant in the semifinal uh, game. And then in the final game, we played Reed Johnson Baseball Academy. So last year, Will, who's the coach of Reed Johnson, uh, and I, in our LTP 12U team from last year, battled. We battled. We basically, for two years, we've been going head to head, and they won some, and we won some. And this 12U season actually ended up where we bounced them from the winner's bracket at PGI. And that was the last time we faced them. So Will, uh, his kid Brixton, 
is now is was an 11 you playing up. So Will's running it back, doing something similar with what we're doing with LTP. So they have a new 12U Reed Johnson team. We have this new 12U let them play team. And yup, we meet each other in the finals. So just look, number one, Bricks is a freaking stud. It's fun to watch this kid uh, and, and watch him at his own age. And Biscuit had a really good tournament as well. And they were going back and forth. Brixton actually hit a two-run. They went up 3-0. We made it 4-3. Brixton put them back on top, making it, let's call it, 5-4. And then Biscuit hit a two-outs, bases-clearing triple to put us up 7-5. We ended up going up 8-5. I believe it was a pass ball after that. And then in the bottom half of the inning, of course, they come back, they score two more runs to make it 8-7. And they have the tying run at third base. There's a ball that's hit the shortstop. And Jagger, who is playing up the middle, comes over, makes this, just smothers and fires the freaking P-missile over to first base. And... That was it. So we had to overcome two different deficits. We got production up and down the lineup. The 9, 10, and 11 kids. So that would be Deacon, Dylan, and then Austin. Two out, nobody on. In the fifth, bottom of the fifth, Deacon walks Dylan gets hit by a pitch. Austin draws a long way. These weren't like four pitch walks. They're just long at bats that they drew out and then eventually walked. And then that turned the lineup over to the top and Biscuit hit the triple. I just complete and total team effort. Obviously I'm still riding at this high. The boys took the championship cup trophy and they were drinking seven up uh, out of it. So Anyhow, uh, let's get rolling with the Daily Hustle today for September the 19th. We've got some real fun things to kind of go over with college football, the NFL, and everything that happened there. A little week two uh, recap. Then we'll get into the MLB scores, pennant races, go over some of the top 10 rookies. But let's not forget our sponsor here at No Filter Network, KT Tape. Yes, title sponsor. This is the Skin Prep Wipes. To go ahead and make sure our skin is nice and clean before putting on the Pro Oxygen uh, tape. This shit works. There's no other way to put this. It's fantastic. It promotes blood flow to an area. If you're dealing with a shoulder injury, you have your hammy bark in your quad, whatever. I've been using it. I don't pimp any products I do not use. And again, blister prevention for all of our ultra runners out there. And then... Last and certainly not least, Chafe Safe. Look, we got to take care of our package. We got to keep it clean. We got to keep it tight. Got to keep it smooth, uh, frictionless. So, KT Tape, 818 Tequila. All I got to say is this, boys. I, I, we're running low. I, it, the title, they're going to lose their title sponsorship unless uh, Joe Boo gets a refill over here. So, but still, today we got a little bit of less. So this will be consumed on Deuces Wild tonight, 6 p.m. Huh. Uh, the other thing 
That went down, by the way, because I think I left Thursday. And there was no DH Thursday, no DH Friday. And I don't think there was. Uh, And then it was Monday. I was going to try to do it. Yesterday was unable to do it because of the internet at the hotel. But I want to thank Alpha Core Capital for giving me an opportunity to go and speak at the Wealth Summit that they had in San Diego. This place that I went to, it was just one of the coolest venues that it is the coolest venue that I've ever spoken at. I I don't know why the name's slipping me right now, but it's in downtown La Jolla. It is like literally it was it was made for like symphonies and other productions and this and that, whatever. But to be able to be on stage and and talk and to have my whole presentation going. And I think that this is sort of a lesson in life because I went into that presentation knowing that I was going to talk for 45 minutes. And then after the 45 minute talk, uh, Dick Fister and I were going to sit down on stage and we were going to do a little fireside chat and take some questions from the audience to 300 people uh, at the event. I think it was like 270. And I got up there and Tara and I had been going back and forth as far as what I'm going to talk about. And I have this presentation, but like all of us, we have different chapters in our lives, right? So it's like this growing up chapter of my life, and then it gets into playing baseball. And they're all tied with different sorts of lessons along the way. And then after baseball, uh, of course, it was the triathlon world and then getting into the ultra running and the triathlon across America and the world record of golf. And so these all are experiences that I've accumulated uh, over the years. And I humbly like to think that they're all fun stories and fun messages and that, whatever. So I went into this one blind and I'll say blind. It's not, it's not the right word, but I went into it. I was like, you know what? I want to feel it out. I just look, I'll start at the beginning of the presentation. There's two ways to rip through. I can rip through this presentation in a half hour, 45 minutes, and get through the entire thing. Or I can take a little bit more time to engage a little bit more, to reflect a little bit more. And it was probably one of the best decisions I made because of all the talks that I've given, I felt like this one was one of the most impactful. And I was really able to dive into a a lot of the messages and when you leave somebody or something with complete and total immersion, does that make sense? When you, when you're able to dive deeper, it's like any relationship in life, right? The, the, the more time you spend together and the more time you spend going over maybe a certain subject or certain thing, I think it has more of an impact. I don't think I know it has more of an impact. And there's no fucking question about it. And so to walk away from that and having some really cool conversations uh, afterwards, I just really enjoy it. So anyone else interested in having um, me come speak, I love doing it. Uh, reach out, ericburns.com. You know what? Screw it. Send me an email, eb at nofilter.net. Simple as that. But it, it's it's one of the things along with coaching baseball and pickleball that I have an extreme passion for and really, really 
enjoy. Okay, uh, the Daily Hustle, September the 19th, 2023, quote of the day. I believe in God, and I believe in human decency, but I firmly believe that any man's finest hour, his greatest fulfillment to all he holds dear, is the moment he has to work his heart out in a good cause, and he's exhausted on the field of battle. Victorious. Vince Lombardi. Fuck yeah. Uh-huh. That's it. And it's not always about winning. I'll be the first to tell you that. I look back upon my career and I think about it all the time. It's like, well, I didn't win a World Series or I didn't do that. Dude, I don't give a shit. I really don't. I just know the experiences that I was able to accumulate through the course of my career. Amazing. Now, I did win a championship, two championships in the Dominican Republic. I was able to go to College World Series. And experienced some pretty cool things. I mean, just high school football alone was one championship after another. So I, I was been fortunate enough through the course of my life to win championships. I've also been on the losing end of a lot of them. There's something within this Vince Lombardi quote that just gets me. is the moment he he has to work his heart out in a good cause and he's exhausted on the battlefield dot 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 victorious that's how i felt after this weekend it was a battle back and forth But there we were, exhausted, on the battlefield, victorious. And I've been left exhausted, on the battlefield, not victorious. And I don't want to tell you that that sucks, because it doesn't. I actually enjoy that, too. But when things do work out, it is nice to... Step back and be like, yes, man, this is what I like. Yes, 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 yes. This is what we worked for. This is all of the planning, the preparation, the meticulous uh, details that we go over to try to put the kids in the best position to succeed when it comes to fruition. It's a testament to the work that's put in. And obviously, it's a testament to the work the boys put in. And, you know, it's on all fronts. Look, there's work that parents put in, there's work that coaches put in. We were really focused this weekend as a staff on details. And so, because we don't regularly, why can't I say that? Regularly practice together. We came out there the first day and we went over every single situation for cuts and relays, base hits, gaps, all of it. And we're, you've probably never seen this before. On like a, right before the game with these teams that are 
you know, you see people, kids hit into a net usually playing catch, just really minor, minute baseball activities that don't mean anything. And we're running a full practice. We're like double cuts with trailers and everything to get this right, to make sure the, the boys are all on the same page. And so I feel like that just really helped the positioning of our fielders at all times. Defense was fucking spectacular, man. It really was uh, start to finish. So where we have, you know, where you position your kids is, is, is everything. I, I will judge a team that we play against on you know, basically two things, defensive positioning and the leads on the base path. Because if you watch a team where the left fielder is playing at the fence, the right fielder is like, looks like he's playing behind second base. The center fielder is in no man's land. It's just, you got coaches that aren't paying attention to what the fuck they're doing. It's just, I, it's, that, I think that's why I enjoy playing against these good teams. And the reason being is that their coaches on the other end are paying attention to all these little details that make him a great team. And Will with Reed Johnson is he's right there. He knows, he knows what he's doing, whether it's leads, whether it's defensive positioning. So, you know, all of these things, they, they matter. Those are the things that really matter. And it's, these are all things I highlight in the upcoming book. Let them play a parenting and coaching guide to youth sports. I, right now we're in the formatting of this book and then basically it's, it's cover and we're releasing this thing and going full send on the promotion of it. I think it has the ability to help all of us. And, and it's funny because I was going over as I was reading it just last week and doing some final edits and whatever else I need to read this. I wrote it and I need to go back and continually remind myself uh, of these things and whether it's dealing with my own kid or dealing with other kids, there are these invaluable nuggets of wisdom that I've accumulated from other people that now I say am applying to what's going on with our team. And hopefully this will help any youth coach or uh, parent of a kid going through any kind of uh, travel ball, travel ball, just youth sports in general. All right. We got the, what the fuck fact of the day. Yes. That's a, a new thing here on no filter network. The largest known living organism is an 80,000-year-old 100-acre aspen grove in Utah with an interconnected root system. Huh. I dig that. I would have never guessed. I guess only because I would have said it would be the redwoods. As the largest known living organism, I would have said it would be a family of redwoods. But a family of redwoods, even as large as they are, they're not taking over 100 acres. Now, are we adding the girth and the height to all this? Because an aspen grove compared to a redwood, I still got to believe a redwood is going to outgrow an aspen grove. At least from a Altitude perspective. Eh, whatever. Who gives a shit? Joke of the day. A reporter interviewing a man celebrating his 110th birthday. 
ask, what's the secret to your longevity? No matter what, I never argue with anyone, says the elderly man. Surely there must be more to it than that, insists the reporter. What about factors like genetics and diet and exercise? The old man shrugs. Says, yeah, maybe you're right. I like that one. Journal entry of the day. If you were a college quarterback and could pick any school in the country, where would you go and why? Okay. I bring this up because it's relevant to college football right now, obviously, because of the movement with NIL and the transfer portal. It seems like the guy who was at Notre Dame is now at Alabama. And Tyler Buckner is the kid's name. And he's good friends with LaRocca, who I stayed with down in San Diego when I went to speak at the Alpha Core Capital uh, event. And Rock got a message. Actually, it was Sally, his lovely wife. Got a message from Buckner's parents saying that Tyler, who was the quarterback at Notre Dame and had transferred to Alabama, was going to get the start against Central Florida on Saturday. And I think this is, you know, what Thursday night or whatever it was that he finds this out. And I'm like, man, like just what a fucking cool opportunity for Buckner. He was a quarterback at Notre Dame, right? He was the dude for a minute. Now, what Notre Dame did is they went out and got a fifth-year transfer, and it seems to obviously be working out for them right now at this moment because he's been killing it. So Buckner left because he wasn't going to be the starter at Notre Dame. Now, he was only, I would say, was he a sophomore? I think he played as a freshman, got hurt, so a sophomore. So he might be a junior retro sophomore. Anyway, so Buckner that goes to Alabama. Well, I mean, what a cool opportunity you're playing for Nick Saban, but he's in this quarterback battle with two other guys. So he ends up getting the start against Central Florida and then struggles in the first half. Benched. See ya. A rough world, man. I mean, it, it really goes back to that Eminem song, that one shot, that one opportunity. I feel bad for the kid. That's the problem with the chase, right? Like, unless we fully commit and go all in, and this brings up one of the stories that I told when I was giving this speech on Friday. And it was about a guy that I ran into that played quarterback at Michigan. And I saw him at a party. It was actually Brent Brennan's house, who's now the head coach of San Jose State. But we're at the party. And this dude had taken three snaps in three years at Michigan. And so I went up to him. And I'm like, yo, how's it going? It's like, well, you know, yeah, I got three snaps. And I think it looks good for next year. I'm like, sweet. But 
you're one of the best baseball players I've ever seen. Like, you got to play baseball, bro. Enough of this football shit. Like, I get it, the three snaps, and it's Michigan, and quarterback, like, it's really cool. But you're too good not to play baseball. And the guy said, well, the reason why I'm going to win this starting quarterback job is because my competition is out playing baseball. And at the time, his competition was Drew Henson. And so he then says, I'm all in on football. And baseball, like, not even a thought. And, of course, that guy, Tom fucking Brady. So having that all-in sort of mentality where it's like, dude, he was seventh, eighth on the depth chart when he got to Michigan. And he just worked and worked and worked and waited and worked and worked and worked and worked and waited and worked. And if you think about that process, that matters. Now, my argument at least from a baseball perspective, for example, because things I think would have been different if I went to UCLA and did not play right away. I could have accepted a role of say a part-time player easily as a freshman, just so long as I was getting some kind of reps and then go off that summer and get the mass reps that I would have needed to improve. Well, fortunately I started from day one at UCLA. Now (laughs) I had to earn that. That was after the coach told me he was going to redshirt me, Gary Adams and happy birthday skip, uh, by the way. So as a baseball player, like you need those reps football, I do believe it's really important to learn a system. And so if you go in somewhere and say you're Tyler Buckner and you're going through whatever it is, like to nail down the system. Now I I do believe too, his former offensive coordinator went to Alabama and that was a lot of it. And I could see how and why they would mesh and gel and why he would make that move. Uh, But I don't always assume the grass is greener on the other side. And Buckner might end up leading them to the promised land. Who knows? I don't think they're happy with any of their three quarterbacks. So, well, I, this might continue to be this rotating carousel. I guess the evaluation has got to come in practice. You got to watch the three-play in practice. And, 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 you know, from a football perspective, like, look, practice in baseball, it's a little tougher, uh, I think, to translate as the practice in football does. But when you're taking reps with the first team, you're given equal reps, you can kind of see, I imagine, if you're Nick Saban in that staff. So uh, Alabama squeaked by anyway, like barely. And the other quarterback got sacked, I want to say like six, seven times. So I don't know if this is on the quarterbacks, it's on the line. It's just Alabama's just not that good. Who knows? All right. Habits that cut depression in half. Well, first and foremost, a life optimization podcast here. These habits can cut the risk of depression in half a new study finds. If an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure, here's a strategy that may help boost your mental health. Spend the next week observing your daily habits. You can jot them down in a journal to keep track. How well are you sleeping? Are you eating foods that nourish you? Did you make time for a favorite hobby and exercise? Did you gather with friends or loved ones? Your answers to these questions may help explain your mood 
and your risk of depression too. In fact, a new study finds that people who maintain a broad range of healthy habits from good sleep to physical activity to strong social connections are significantly less likely to experience episodes of depression. How many times have we gone over this on the Daily Hustle? We don't feel our way into acting. We act our way into feeling. So it says, of course, serious depression needs to be treated and medications and therapy help. Many people feel better. But in recent years, as science has evolved, it has become clear that depression is not just a chemical imbalance. It's much more complex and increasingly a body of evidence points to the importance of habits and behaviors that to help keep mental health strong. Okay. Here's the list. I think there's about seven of them. Uh, let's see. Seven always seems to be the number when it comes to lists, doesn't it? Okay, number one. The power of rest. At the top of the list is a good night's sleep. Sleeping seven to nine hours per night on average reduced the risk of depression by about 22%, the study says. Number two, exercise is an elixir. There's a solid body of evidence linking physical activity to improve moods. A previous study based on data from the Centers of Disease Control and Prevention Surveys found that people who exercise regularly, regularly report fewer days of bad mental health. Number three, good nourishment. The researchers found that people who maintained a healthy pattern of eating were less likely to have an episode of depression. Number four and five. Okay, you're adding two. Limit alcohol and don't smoke. See how it says limit. I think alcohol is good for you. In a proper dosage based on the individual. Just changes that mindset a tad. That said, obviously getting drunk, over drinking. No, it's not at all. Having a glass of wine or a beer helps many people feel relaxed. But limiting alcohol consumption to one drink a day or less for women and two drinks a day or less for men is the recommendation. Okay, I, I'm like three and a half. Is that too much? Mm. Unless on Saturday, that was six. So it varies night to night. But there's some nights this one, so I kind of play for the average. Uh, number six, limit sedentary time. By cutting back on screen time. Or if you are going to spend time on a screen, like I did this morning preparing the DH, get on the fucking treadmill. Go for a walk. And don't be walking in the street with your phone like this, but go somewhere where you can move and deal with the screen at the same time. And it obviously limits being sedentary. Number seven, cultivate friendships and social connections through hobbies. Nothing greater in life than shared experience. I think that's everything. And so when we are able to share experiences together with loved ones, family members, friends, these baseball experiences each weekend, uh, yeah, I mean, it boosts mood. It, it improves quality of life tenfold. It gives us our ikigai, our purpose, which is something for us to pull our heads off the pillow in the morning. So there they are, the seven habits that 
you could implement in order to cut depression risks in half by 54% by the way. Okay, uh, college football rankings. Washington leaps Ohio State, USC to crash the top five in CBS Sports 133. After week four, the college football slate that featured many of the top teams emerging with a win. Shakeups will come in the form of adjustment expectations based on how those teams perform. That's the case this week at the updated CBS Sports 133 college football rankings. Holy shit. We got 133. What happened to the day where there's 25 and that was it? We really are ranking 130. Washington went on the road and throttled Michigan State 41-7. A lopsided result that still might not accurately reflect the difference between the two power five foes. The Huskies were up 35-0 at halftime. And quarterback Michael Penix. Interesting. So it's spelled Michael Penix. P-E-N-I-X. So like, like penis, but with an X. Huh. Had 473 passing yards and four touchdowns before the backups took over late in the third quarter. Is a performance that stood out to our voters more than any other among the top 10 of CBS Sports 133. In fact, seven of the top 10 teams from last week's rankings held firm in their positions after the ballots were tabulated on Sunday. The only change came from Washington, which jumped ahead of both Ohio State and USC to join number one, Georgia. Number two, Michigan. Number three, Florida State. Number four, Texas in the top five. Unlike the top 10, the rest of the college football rankings feature plenty of changes as voters consider not only outcomes, but additional information gained from those matchups. Oklahoma, for example, is up six points to number 14 after another prolific offensive performance powered by a 49-point win at Tulsa. Then there was Alabama, which also won on the road, but we just talked about them. But I am much smaller margin, 17 to 3, and definitely was less impressive. Uh, a pair of SEC home underdogs, Missouri and Florida, each saw notable moves following their big win Saturday with corresponding drops in Kansas State and Tennessee. The biggest movers, you got number 26, Missouri. They hopped 26 spots. Number 36, BYU went up 25 spots. Number 62, West Virginia. Went up 18 spots. Number 30, Florida went up to 17. And how about Fresno fucking state, man? They went up 15 spots. They pounded Arizona State 29-0 on Saturday. The Bulldogs are 3-0 with two wins against Power 5 competition. They're the real deal. They opened the season winning a thrill at Purdue. So they're obviously going to take a... Run at the Mountain West title. Number 22, Tennessee dropped 10. Number 27, Kansas dropped 13. Mississippi State dropped 15. We'll ask Will Clark about that tonight. Deuce is wild. Number 47, Arkansas dropped 15. And Pitt went to number 67, dropping 23 because they're one and two with losses to Cincinnati and West Virginia. As far as the NFL was concerned or is concerned the betting recap let's get right into that we only got about five minutes to go here i apologize i've been put on a very strict uh timer of about 47 minutes 
from Giuseppe Pepe Manuelli and then the great people over at Caffeine TV and Believe and everywhere else. But I guess it's so it can fit in the hour time slot and able to run the ads and everything else. But the betting recap was, I mean, really interesting because in the first week, you had all the games basically go under. I mean, it's wild. I don't, you know, it was, what, 2 and 14 maybe for the over and under? No, there's four. There's four and 12 in week one with the overs to the unders. But then in week two, totally different. It says yes, uh, uh, yesterday's NFL week two action was crazy to say the least. Six games in the early window were decided by one score, including two games that went into overtime. The New York Giants caused major panic for people in their survivor pools. Uh, I, I mean, how fucking... T- I, I, can you imagine what they did? They were down 20 to nothing. So that, w- that would be 60 to nothing. 60 to nothing. And then figured out a way to come back and win. I don't know if... That's a testament to them and their grit, which it obviously is, or just a complete and total fucking debacle for the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, in a week filled with notable storylines that aren't even over yet, let's see, actually they are because this was written before. Yeah, where did this go? All of a sudden, my article disappeared. Huh. Well, whatever. Who gives a shit? Uh, Onward and upward. MLB. The pennant race update right now. Postseason watch. Bracket, tiebreakers, and more while a lot can happen in the standings between now and when the postseason starts on October 3rd. Here is what the playoff picture looks like heading to Tuesday's game. If the season ended today, we would have the AL wildcard series, best of three format. It'd be the Rangers at the Twins. So the Rangers would still be in. Wow. Good on them. The Blue Jays would be at the Rays. The Orioles and Astros would be the two teams to have a bye. Now, remember, those would be a best of three. NL wildcard series would be the Cubs at the Brewers. That'd be a good one. And then the D-backs at the Phillies. The Braves and the Dodgers would be the ones to have the bye. And then in the division series, it would be the Rays against the Blue Jays or the Orioles or the Twins Rangers, the Rays Blue Jays at the Orioles or the Twins Rangers at the Astros. And then the NL division series would be the Phillies D-backs at the Braves. Uh, the Phillies Braves ones could be, could be really fun. And then the Brewers Cubs at the Dodgers. I mean, a Cubs Dodgers, geez, doesn't get much better than that. Since 2022, all ties in the stands. So they go over all the tie scenarios, like, Whatever. But the three key games from yesterday, the Reds are still hanging in there. They beat the Twins 7-3. The Phillies won 7-1. The Orioles beat the Astros 8-7. They've already clinched their shit. Now, the AL East is not decided yet because the Rays are right behind them. So the three key games today, you got the Twins at the Reds, you got the Orioles at the Astros, and the Giants at the D-backs played pickleball with Dan Herring yesterday. Uh, awesome to see him. He is working for the D-backs. He's a pitching strategist. So he's heading out to Arizona today for the series coming up. But yeah, the tight races are the Orioles lead the Rays by two and a half games. The Astros lead the Rangers and the Mariners 
by just a game and a half. And the Rangers and Mariners have the same record, but Texas holds the tiebreaker in the advantage. The Cubs hold the third wild card spot based on slight lead and winning percentage. The Marlins and Reds have the same record in their bid for their wild card berth, although Miami holds a tiebreaker. The Giants are two games back in Chicago. Trends of note heading up Arizona swept the three game series against the Cubs, taking the D backs from out of a playoff spot to post out of a playoff spot to possession of the second wild card spot. In the process, the D backs also. Guaranteed the season series against Chicago, giving Arizona the tiebreaker advantage if the two teams ended the season with their same record. Heading down. A week ago, the Cubs seemed to be near a near lock to make the postseason as an NL wildcard team. But now, after five straight losses, holy shit, including three to Arizona, Chicago is barely hanging on to a playoff spot while they're in possession Oh, man, I'm like, what is barking at me? Woo! At first, it's natural around here. Just with our dogs. It's my timer. Okay, let's just finish these up. Contender breakdown. Braves, Dodgers, Orioles, Rays. Clinched postseason burst. Almost there, 90%. Twins, Brewers, Phillies, Astros. In good shape, 50 to 89%. Blue Jays, Rangers, D-backs, Mariners. In the mix. This is 10 to 49%. Cubs, Marlins, Reds, Giants. So, yeah, the Giants tonight, if they want to get back into this thing, they got to fucking win. I, it, it's now or never. It's the Deion Sanders, like, we ain't coming, we here. Yeah. And, well, either they're going to be here tonight or they're going to be gone tomorrow because it is getting late. Still alive. Odds above 0%. You ready for this? Oh, shit. Yankees, Padres, and Guardians. Really? Do we really consider them still alive? Come on. Oh, okay. Anyhow, let's get on out of here. We'll go over the NFL games tomorrow. There's just so much more I want to get to. We have a thing with the rookies and ranking the top 10 MLB rookies. I found that fast. I can't believe how good the MLB rookie class is. Will Clark and I will talk about that tonight on uh, Deuces Wild. And then our first fall storm of the year is going to be coming down from the north and affecting a large portion of the United States with colder weather. Looking forward to that. Currently right now in Truckee, it's... Well, Studio 22, 60 degrees, high of 74 today. Seems like a lake day to me. Regardless of our time constraints and restrictions and everything else, of course, we finish with a little James Allen. I had a guy come up to me after I gave my talk at the AlphaCore Capital Wealth Summit, and he goes, hey, man. He goes, I think there's someone like you really should read that that just for whatever reason, like just a lot of what you talk about. And, you know, it just reminds me of this book. Uh, have you ever heard of this guy, James Allen? He wrote this book, As a Man Think at the 1902. I said, yo, dude, every single morning, 830. Uh, I don't know. It feels like 90% of them are ended with a little James Allen. So here we are. James Allen on thought and purpose. 
Until thought is linked with purpose, there is no intelligent accomplishment. With the majority, the bark of thought is allowed to drift upon the ocean of life. Aimlessness is a vice, and such drifting must not continue for him who would steer clear of catastrophe and destruction. You're right, James. I got to get focused. Holy shit. A little too much aimlessness in my life, but a little too much fucking aimlessness on this show. Try to be a little less terrible today than we were yesterday and then tomorrow than we were today. Everyone have a fantastic day. Deuces wild tonight, 6 p.m. Pacific time. 9 p.m. Eastern Time with Will the Thrill. Everyone have a fantastic day. See ya!